Hey everybody, get ready for a new case on criminal motives behind the crime scene tape. My name is Jay and I co-host this podcast with my dad. My dad and I have both worked in law enforcement and we also specialize in security. Join us as we dive into some of these real life cases and find out what actually happens behind the scenes and what most people don't get to hear about. It's going to be a good one, so let's jump right in. Good evening, everyone. This is uh, Criminal Motives behind the crime scene tape, and we're here for our second episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about informants, and um, going forward, some of our most of our cases involve the use of informants, and this does a general idea of what it takes to develop one and get one, and what they're good for, what you trust them for, not trust them for, different things like that, to kind of give you an idea of what uh, kind of tool that is an in investigation. Um, <clears throat> mainly, not to give away anything that might jeopardize uh, a person's anonymity, um, but we'll talk about some of the tools that it takes to uh, get these guys and girls um, signed up, used, managed, um, protected, the whole nine yards. Mm. So, we had originally had another case we were going to talk about, but it involved the use of performance. And I got to thinking, maybe we should kind of explain what that looks like. So in the world of investigations, I don't know the exact percentage, but there are a lot of cases that need information to solve the case. Um, you'll see it on TV where they'll do a press conference and they'll say, you know, if there's anything anybody can relate regarding the case, anybody has any information, call Crime Stoppers, tips lines, this, that, the other thing. And these go, informants go a little bit further than that. And um, we'll talk a little bit about the different types of sources. And sources is just a short version of sources of information and where it comes from. But um, everybody knows informants. They know snitches. They know criminal informants, confidential informants, uh, rats, all kinds of names are put to it. And it kind of depends on how you're using uh, the person's information and what kind of case it is to hear what kind of description it is. Most of the time, the word rat is used by uh, criminals who don't like other criminals telling on them. Depending on the type of uh, people you're dealing with and the type of crimes you're dealing with, you'll hear them called all kinds of names. But there's basically two different kinds. There's a criminal informant, and then there are confidential informants. Criminal informant is somebody who is a criminal who is either trying to work their way out of a case or out of charges they have themselves or some other ill-gotten gain, so to speak, motive. A confidential informant is somebody who's not in trouble, who doesn't get in trouble, but who has information pertinent to a case and they want to remain confidential. Now, I don't know when an informant never wants to be remained uh, confidential, but um, that's different than, say, an eyewitness to a crime. Guy runs a red light, hits another car, got the gas station, says, yes, yeah, I saw the whole thing. This guy here ran the red light. He's just an eyewitness to the offense. 
confidential informant or a criminal informant will have other information pertinent to the situation. He might say, yeah, that guy ran the red light because he and I, you know, smoked a fatty about two minutes ago and he was all geeked out, you know. That's a little more on the line of a of an informant statute. Yep. Informants are unique individuals. Number one, you can never trust them. But number two, you need them. They're good to have. They're good to develop, and everybody can develop them from uniformed officers to detectives. It's usually done with detectives, but there's a lot of uniformed officers that have informants that they regularly go to to get information about crimes in the city or in the county. And, um, you know, they will give them a little bit of information. Informants that uh, are paid cash money for their information have to be documented. And they have to be documented, fingerprinted, photographed. And then that file is secured in a confidential informant file that only the case agent using that informant and informant's manager and one high-ranking official within that department keeps possession of those files. So if anything happens to you, there's somebody else that knows what's going on. But realistically, nobody else knows nothing. And that file could be full of informants from people that, you know, don't talk about it. I never told anybody in my department which informants were mine and how many I had. They never told me. We never knew each other. We never knew how big the file was. Only that one upper level management person had that file and they keep it. You know, um, the strange thing is after 9-11, there was all kinds of information coming out after the fact. Well, the FBI knew this, the CIA knew that, the National Security Council people knew this, um, all these other people knew that, but none of them were talking to each other about it. Not to say that it didn't contribute to not being on our toes before that happened, but you can't be surprised if you're working a case and somebody within that case, that organization that you're investigating, is an informant for somebody else. And it could be a federal person. It could be a local person. It could be somebody in your own department. So it can get confusing and it can get um, uh, kind of bogged down because nobody wants their informant to get in trouble, but they want to keep using them for information. And I'm sitting here building a case against a group of people, and I'm being told I can't touch this one, or we can't touch that one, or this one won't go, this, this case won't happen, this, all kinds of things going on that can delay a case. But on the flip side, a ton of information can be gathered to make your case go faster and get you that direction you need to go that point where you can use the evidence that you have and it builds the case for prosecution. So it can be, it can be unusual. There was a case many years ago in a large metropolitan city where uh, a mob boss was um, running a crew, drugs, anything that would make money. Inside his uh, crew was an undercover agent for, a de for one department. Inside that same department was a detective who was on the mob boss's payroll. And the guy inside the crew undercover is trying to make a case on the whole thing. The guy on the outside as a detective is trying to figure out who the undercover guy is. 
And on top of it all, the mob boss was a federal informant. So it just opened up a whole slew of messy circumstances. You know, how some people never seem to get caught, even though they're guilty as all get out. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's an, it's an interesting concept. Informants are extremely um, beneficial to a case. I had a patrol sergeant one time when I first started, and I'm driving the streets, third shift, midnight shift, looking for burglars, looking for all this stuff, and I'll drive and comb the streets, run through a tank and a half of gas each night, and I finally went to him and said, dude, I can't find nothing going on. He goes, man, hard work doesn't do it. All that patrolling won't solve anything. You need informants. You need people that'll tell you when something's going down so you can be there when it does. You're just wasting your time driving around. Now, technically and literally, I wasn't wasting my time because anytime you've got people patrolling streets instead of setting up a donut shop, chilling, <laughs> is a good thing. So, learn my lesson. Gotta have some. Uh, gotta have some informants. So, uh, yeah. If you ever notice, uh, like units, so like joint drug units or oh. a joint task force uh, unit. Um, anti-terrorism units uh, that's if it says unit or a task force that's usually multiple agencies involved so that way everybody knows what's going on in that agency and or within that unit and they can just dis, like disseminate to either the locals or you know their agency backward uh, their headquarters is or whatever like hey we're running this thing uh, if you happen to see this guy don't wrap him up um, yeah. You know, and and everybody runs informants differently, um, just as far as like the nitty gritty of it. But generally, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Um, I know within certain organizations, like they will coordinate everything through the local police and even get support from them sometimes if they're running an informant and doing something going on downtown or something like that. Uh, so communication is huge, and uh, especially for like the anti-terrorism, um, stuff like that, they will um, come up with a task unit just so everybody's on the same page and everybody knows what's going on. And most of the big, uh, we, we call them alphabet soup agencies because it's all three-letter mm -hmm. uh, agencies, they will... They will all communicate on one system, so everybody gets access to this one system to communicate. It's the same writing style and everything like that, and just so everybody's on the same page and everybody's clear on what's going on. So, um, yeah, communication's huge as far as running informants, and informants and can be very lucrative, and they can also be very problematic. There can yes, be can. bad things that come from them, but also some very good information. It just depends on you're, how you run them. You're exactly right quite a bit right and i always wondered when i get two or three agencies that want to work together i'm like do you really want to work together or you just want to know what we know mm -hmm. you know I, it goes into my next question about that was you know there's a lot of officers that have trouble with informants because they can't wrap their head around you mean i gotta pay somebody to do the right thing well, yeah, if you want the information, you will. Yep. Depending on how serious the case is, there's some serious money to be made. And there's a lot of officers that just don't understand that part. 
their thought process doesn't go beyond, you know, writing out a speeding ticket or working a car crash. They just can't, they can't understand that part of it. They don't see the big picture. They don't understand what it takes to make certain things happen in this country. I know that's a big uh, hesitation for state and local. Um, federal, just because we have Uncle Sam behind us, we're a little bit more loose with the money. Um, I know certain agencies, they will even pay their informants. If it's good information and it leads to a bust, they'll pay them a percentage of whatever they recover, which is insane to me. I mean, because if you get a big bust going, you can make your living right there. And right. I've actually met a couple people that are professional informants. Um, they're usually like they're clean. So there's uh, clean informants or clean sources ones that don't have like the criminal background, kind of like the confidential informant. And mm-hmm. then there's uh, dirty sources who are there because they're in trouble or they're trying to avoid being in trouble or something like that, or buy back some time because they messed up and they're helping out with something completely different. So um, yeah. yeah, clean sources, uh, they are usually the ones that are driven by money because um, not very often you'll get the ones that are just like here to do their patriotic duty. Uh, but the, you know, dirty ones there, you don't really have to float money to them because you're kind of giving them their freedom back. Yeah. And that's, you know, those are good points about that. And I think as much money as the Fed sees, um, most states and certainly the federal uh, forfeiture laws uh, state that you can use that money seized after it is uh, gone through the court system and awarded back to the agency. You can use that money for the further of crime fighting and crime prevention in those areas of trafficking or whatever. And you can use the money to pay the informants. So it's kind of nice where you can seize money to pay informants. That way you're not messing you know, local agencies with budgets, city budgets, county budgets, state budgets. You're not taking money out of that. Somebody's not going to get a new patrol car because we got to pay this guy some money for the stuff he gave us. No. Um, it's good that they have laws that are, um, good, you know, good about that and let you use the seized money after, a, you know, period of time that it's cleared through the courts and awarded back to the city lawfully. Um, so, you know, some officers have those kinds of struggles trying to figure out what it is. There's other things that they have to struggle with, like giving up your case. You stumble into a good case where you want to get this guy and you got him dead to rights, but that guy is particularly essential to a larger case and you're not one to let it go maybe you're kind of on a system where case clearance is important to you know keeping your job and um, you worry about anybody understanding that and you're just going to let this guy go after all the work you put into it to get it somebody swoops in and says no we we really can't do that right now maybe down the road we can do it but right now we need him for something else that's a hard one to swallow. Some detectives never get over that, and they want to go back to doing something else. Um, you know, the Fed help we kind of covered. You know, there's consequences to that. Um, sometimes there's collateral damage. You're doing everything you can to protect the identity of your informant, and the Fed sweep in, and they don't care. If it makes their case go, your guy might get sacrificed for it. And all that work you put into it to kind of keep them um, quiet and, and useful 
and giving you reliable information. It doesn't happen overnight, not the big ones. And uh, once you get a good one developed like that, you kind of hate to see that, you know, go away because of it. Plus, you know, there's another thing about that, you know, what are the risks of the informant or of a person to become an informant? Mm-hmm. You know, if it finds out that, you know, you've been given information to somebody uh, in some circles, that could mean a death sentence for you. And it could mean that, you know, it's not a really popular thing. Right. But um, there are other things that go with it, too. Once you're known as an informant um, or you tie on with an agency to be an informant, now all of a sudden they know what kind of crimes you're committing. Yep. Because yep. they're going to know where you're at all the time. Yeah. Um, you suffer that threat of retaliation from other people and you um, see your informant, if he's not stable, he'll have some mental struggles of his own, some paranoia, worried about everybody looking at him funny. Every time somebody does look at them, well, they're looking at me because of this. So what makes a person want to inform, you know, what would make, you know, we've talked one thing about the uh, trying to get out of charges. We talked about the money angle. Um, There's some people that um, if they're, if they're just a confidential informant, they don't want to be known. They want to have to testify in court or anything like that, but, they just, out of pure honesty, um, want to voluntarily cooperate. They don't have a stake in the game. They're not a criminal. They're not. Uh, they don't have any fear. But um, you know, people like that just you know they just want to put it out there. They're not afraid of anything. Um, that's rare anymore because usually there's a backstory to everybody's case. You get um, the most popular one is one person in trouble and they feel if they could um, give up some information, their charges might be lessened. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. It's not up to the detective to make that call. They can take the information and you know, chase down the state prosecutor and, and just see um, if it'll work for them or what they can do for them for the information. And it depends on the value of the information. They're not going to, they're not going to get you any time off your, trafficking cocaine charge if you turn in a guy you know is a serial bicycle thief yeah you gotta provide something of of value for sure so we're talking about you know some of the paranoia some of the uh, some of the risks of a person who wants to become an informant Um, a lot of times it's out of desperation like say we're going to work off some charges or try to get them reduced when they do that, that means they're going to be giving up some information that's going to be twice what it's worth compared to what they were trying to get off the charges for. So it's usually pretty good information to get them reduced. The retaliation factor comes into play when you're doing that because now you're stepping on the bigger toes in effort to save your own skin. And when you do that, um, somebody's going to notice. We know you know, common knowledge, the Mexican cartels run, I think it's 98% of the cocaine into the United States right now. And I can't even tell you how much of the percentage of methamphetamine is probably way up there too. Mm -hmm. You step on those guys' toes and 
you don't really live to tell about it. No. And if word ever got back that somebody is informing to get out of some charges, I've heard cases where the cartel, being ruthless like they are, will kill the whole lower level of dealers that they have just to make sure they get the right one and start all over again with new dealers. There's always somebody waiting in line to take their place. So it's a very risky business for a person who wants to decide to be an informant. Um, but a lot of people just can't do that kind of time in jail and they don't want to do that kind of time. And that's the only way out they have. Yeah. Usually the ones with families and stuff like that, they're going to be more likely to take the offer of working with you and, yeah, you, you said like the cartels, those are some of the hardest ones to get informants in. Like you either have to pay them really well or you got to promise them something like citizenship without going through the normal process and wiping all the charges away. Like you got to provide them something big because they're not just going to do it for, you know, a hundred bucks or something like that. You know, they they could lose their life. They'll lose their family. Uh, as soon as that wind gets caught of them, even if it's just a suspicion of them ratting to the police or anything like that, it, it could be a bad day or their worst, their last day. Um, and so those are, those are some of the harder ones to, to make happen. And uh, so I was going to bring up earlier that, there's a difference between undercover officers and informants. Informants are usually, actually always uh, not sworn law enforcement, um, but undercover officers are the ones that are, they're the ones that go through rigorous training and making sure that they know how to keep a cover and, and blend in with whatever they're doing. And then they get sent in as a as sworn law enforcement to work with um, with some of these uh, groups like the mob or yeah. uh, cartel stuff like that. Again, another risky thing, um, but usually they have more allegiance and they're doing it for their for their job. So yeah, uh, right. Yeah. It's just uh, sometimes it can be overwhelming thinking about all the intangibles that go into an investigation and to solve cases and who's working for who and who's doing what for who and uh, everybody's in it for their own good doesn't seem to be the common good it's just for their own good and if it happens that something for the common good is accomplished from it then you know everybody's happy they don't see the other side of it. And it's tough. I mean, you won't see it unless you're in law enforcement. Um, but it's just part of it. And when you think about the psyche of a detective who's trying to understand all this stuff and to be in the right place at the right time with the right guy and the right information and this, that. And then tie that in with trying to go home and be dad, you know. Tie that in with leaving it at the doorstep like we've talked before. Some people never get, they never get it. They never can get it. It's just too tough to do. Some people get it in pieces and, and depending on the type of job, they can take parts of it home. But um, it, it's a tough way to go. 
and it wears on the law enforcement community as a whole. You have to deal with that kind of thing all day. You know, your grandmother uh, asked me just last week, how in the world did you guys see all the negativity that you saw and all the horrible, horrendous, atrocious, all these type crimes, and then be able to walk into your house and let's go with Chuck E. Cheese, you know? I think I told her basically, uh, you know, you got to have faith in God because that's the only person that can keep you sane. You got to have good luck and you got to have a little bit of crazy. You know, you got to be able to handle it. You got to jump into Chuck E. Cheese, get in the ball pit, whatever you got to do, do with your kids and to, and to bring it on home at the end of the day. So there's a little bit of a little bit of everything. And if you lose a piece of it, it makes it tougher, that much more tougher. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people depend on other avenues to help them get through it. Temporary avenues, alcohol, you know, tobacco, maybe even prescription drugs, um, other vices to try to help them uh, deal with the problem. And um, one day I hope we can look into some of that stuff, the, the post-traumatic stress from it, different things of that nature. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's certainly a lot of things to be considered when you do something like that. And, and you only, you can only be thankful when, you know, success has happened. You're a detective and you're 20 years in the job and, and you don't go around eating, you know, cool chalk or, sidewalk chalk and you're not a nutball or something so um you know you can only celebrate those things those are great to do and i think a lot of it too has to come with training we're doing a lot of training right now and we're doing a lot of awareness on mental health issues and trying to use different steps to prevent police shootings at traffic stops and different kinds of calls that normally you didn't see as often as you saw right now and mental health being a big part of it. Well, it goes both ways. You know, the law enforcement side needs to look at some of their mental health things and see if they uh, can offer any assistance in that. So kind of getting on a, a whole nother angle. Yeah, that's but, a whole nother episode in itself. Um, oh, gosh. I mean, and we need people far smarter than me to be talking about it. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll get somebody good to come talk about that one for sure. Um, know what I see. Yeah, but a big, a big burden and kind of a, of a mental strain when it comes to confidential informants uh, is that anything you have them do now, their life is on your hands. Mm-hmm. When it was them just running the streets or doing whatever on their own, you know, that's at their own will. But yeah. when you're directing them and making the calls and, and you're backing them up or uh, off to the side watching the whole thing go down while they're doing it. Now it's like I got I have to make sure this guy's okay. I have to plan. I have to I have to put all these procedures in place. Give them give them signs like you know if you if you think things are going south, I need you to take your hat off and scratch your head with the bill. And it's got to be something that they can't like they don't they won't do normally. Uh, maybe put both hands in your back pockets or whatever. Like I, I need to know if you feel like you're about to lose your life or something and then we'll move in. So that's a, it's a, as far as mental health and everything, like it's, that can be a strain for sure. 
you know, you touched on something pretty cool. Um, that whole business of, you know, that's an informant that you've developed a relationship who trusts you. Think about um, the lack of trust in law enforcement right now and how that must affect some people with their informant. Do they right. really trust that law enforcement? We see press conferences where, um, especially after 9-11, and, and it's become pretty much a motto of every department, if you see something, say something. They're not going to say anything if they don't trust you. And right now, the trust level is pretty low. So we have to rebuild that part. You know, the making cases the right way, having integrity, don't you know, fudge evidence, don't create evidence, don't plant evidence, don't do things you shouldn't do. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, and I can't endorse you to go commit crime. Only no. the crime that I'm directing you to do. Like if I'm sending you in to buy some drugs, you can't go in there and stab him because he talked to your girlfriend. Okay. Like yeah. that's not how this works. But they've got to trust the police, man. They have got to, um, to, to get that kind of level of trust with, between you and your informant. They have to keep their trust in the police. And every time, you know, a shooting happens where the officer didn't follow their policies and acted outside the rule of the law, that hurts every detective's ability to communicate with their own sources because that source is going to think, you're the police, you know, there's no difference between you and that guy. And you have to rebuild that trust all over again. Now, some guys, as long as you're flashing enough green, they have all kinds of trust in you, you know. But um, when you're working and you're in your, infancy in your career and you're trying to build that rapport and trying to build that um, source value it makes it tough when you have to start over again when they don't have all that full trust in you and they don't understand what you're doing so um, lots of good things lots of good things to talk about lots of angles with uh, informants and uh, you know criminal confidential Eyewitness, um, they're all valuable in solving a case. They're needed for a lot of cases. Right. Evidence alone doesn't always do it. You can have a trunk load of evidence, but if the person's never been in the DNA system, maybe they don't have fingerprints in the fingerprint system, you don't have anything but a bunch of evidence. And once you get that lead from the informant, once you get a suspect developed, your evidence has to support that. If your evidence doesn't support it, you're still nowhere. So it's a big job to try to make those connections and to put it together in a case that's prosecutable. So informants are a big part of it. And without them, we wouldn't you know, be able to solve as many cases as we do solve. Whether that's going to delay the case or speed it up, you know, the one thing we talked about with getting back with victims and keeping them informed as to how your case is going, they don't necessarily, of course, they want to see it solved, but they'd rather see you at the front door talking to them and letting them know you're still engaged and that they're there because you're important. Um, you know, the victims are important. The victim's family are important. You go a long way toward building that trust and building community trust when you do that. I don't know a homicide detective anywhere that doesn't have at least 20 cases on his desk that are open. And that can make it tough 
to get back to people in time without them uh, you know, throwing a fit. Next thing you know, they're on the camera screaming, nobody will call me, nobody will let me know what's going on. They haven't arrested anybody. Um, so you got to build that trust, and it's hard. But that's what police work is. It's hard. It's hard to do what you need to do to fulfill your job the right way. So, um, yeah, they get on the TV and they're going to ask for public's help, see something, say something, and you just hope that you as an agency have been diligent in building that community trust so that you're not the one they're talking about when they get on there. It just, uh, it's key. It's key to getting it solved and to help and build that trust in the community. And uh, I don't know. It's a good topic, man. Good information. Yeah. So um, I know one thing that was a little bit of a, sometimes it was a struggle and then sometimes it just felt so good uh, was cutting a source or releasing a source or an informant, Um, whether it's because they, are leaving the area or uh you know things that are out of your control like hey the case is over um or they're you know they they've they've done all that they can and you just don't see how they can help anymore um and then there's the ones that you know they're jerking you around they're not doing what they're supposed to you give them you give them tasks and they don't do it and they're just you know dirt bags uh and then you get to cut them uh not physically obviously but uh you you release them from their their duties and uh some of my favorite ones uh are when you know you got someone and they're just they're just jerking around possibly even like double double sided like hey i'm working with the police uh here's what they're having me do and then they're sabotaging the whole thing well then you go you go to you know, wherever they're at when they're with their buddies or whatever, you walk right up to them and be like, Hey, I just wanted to thank you for working with us and telling us about your friends and stuff. And I uh, oh, hope you have a good day. <laughs> you just slam the door on that one. You know, I think I've always said informants have an expiration date and yeah. uh, they can't work forever. That somehow, some way their date's going to come. But um, yeah, that's a good point. Working both sides. You have to watch out for that. That's why you can never trust them. And I mentioned that in the beginning. You cannot trust them no matter what. Uh, No matter what they tell you, what anybody tells you, you cannot trust them. Because they could have some hidden loyalties or something that you don't know about. And all of a sudden now, like, the case is expanding to their friends. And they're like, oh, well, I just wanted to get this one person wrapped up. Not all my friends. Yeah. So, yep. You can't. All right. Well anyone has any questions uh, be sure and let us know um, we just wanted to touch base on this uh, do a little flyover on it kind of give some information about how some of that works and um, insight because going forward some of our cases will involve informants and uh, information that we get uh, from someone and um, we hope that you enjoy it we hope that the cases are, uh, are interesting and uh, generate some conversation yep yep and thank you for joining in yeah and if you have like like uh like you said if you have some questions or you want to inquire about possibly guest showing on the show or guest starring on the show uh we actually have an email set up right now 
It's just a temporary uh, email that we have set up. It's called uh, criminalmotive at gmail.com. And so you can send all your requests, all your questions, all whatever, uh, complaints. If you want to complain about something, we may not read it, but (laughs) (laughs) we may not reply. We'll read it, but we may not reply. Show up Um, at your house. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So send those to criminalmotive at gmail.com, and we'll be happy to look those over. Uh, So, again... We are glad you listened or watched, and we hope to see you uh, on the next episode. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, there you go. Another great case in the books. Be sure and tune in next week when we unpack a new one, and I hope you have a good week. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you haven't already, go subscribe to our show. And if you liked it, maybe go get a buddy or two to go subscribe to it as well. Give us a like, a comment, a rating, whatever it is that you're watching this on, and make sure to give us some feedback because we want to make sure that we're doing the absolute best we can for our audience. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time on Criminal Motives Behind the Crime Scene Tape.